0: Hi guys. We are very happy to be back this week. We are on our last ever episode of our pilot series, ending with the Lower Decks episode Second Contact. Wow, I cannot believe we are done with a series. Oh, insane. Um, re- and I created this series because it was our pilot series and it was our first run at ever creating a podcast together and I can say that I've had a total blast oh me too it's been so amazing getting to cover all these different pilots and see all of these Star Trek series at their roots and really what their core is all about and you love to see it you do love to see it I also love to see how much better our editing has gotten and our microphones and <laughs> headphones. The first time we recorded a podcast, it took us about two weeks to edit. Yeah. <laughs> so that first time We really moved yeah, up. Yeah. yeah we we <laughs> really streamlined things a lot. And I am just, I cannot be happier with the way that things are going. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate that we made it through yes. our first series. Woo-hoo! And that we want to thank you so much for listening. Whenever we post on Facebook or Twitter or anything that we have just put up an episode and people respond say that saying that they have listened to it or are excited to listen to it, it fills us with yeah crazy joy. We always text each other and say, someone's listening to the pod. Um, yeah, it really warms our hearts. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, I just want to have a little shout out. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Wow. So we have finally arrived at Lower Decks, the newest Star Trek series on CBS All Access. And Ashlyn, I want you to give us a rundown. How did Lower Decks begin? Wow. So I first off want to say that as we mentioned at the end of a couple of episodes, rian and I have not seen Lower Decks at all. Nope. <laughs> so this first watch through that we did for this podcast is the first time either of us are seeing it. So you're getting a very rare first take from the Dura yes. sisters. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea what's to come in the series and meaning that there will be no spoilers for the rest of the series because we don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and. We will be reviewing the rest of Lower Decks all on our Patreon page. So if you go to patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast, and if you donate any amount per month, any amount at all, you will be able to listen to all of our reviews of the Lower Decks series, and those will be coming out weekly. So this episode is available on our main feed and will be available for free on the Patreon, but all of the recordings after that are going to cost (laughs) you. (laughs) (laughs) so okay there are some amazing things that i found out while researching about this beginning of lower decks this is of course as we've been saying this is a part of new trek that has all been coming out since 2017 with the launch of star trek discovery so behind all of this energy and action is alex kurtzman And so, again, he is coming out here with a second animated series. This is the first one since 1974. And this one is skewing slightly more adult compared to the animated series, which I would recommend that is good for children, good for whoever wants to watch it. Lower Decks is definitely more of an adult show. So... Alex Kurtzman, when he created Discovery, he was granted a five-year deal with CBS All Access to basically go crazy for five years and make as much Star Trek as he wants. Assuming that the ratings are good enough and that the money's coming in, those seasons will get renewed. And so Lower Decks already has been renewed for a second season. I think it was granted before the show was even out because CBS just has a lot of faith at this point in Kurtzman and his vision for the For the future. The literal literal and fictional future. Um, (laughs) So. For this show. Alex Kurtzman and Mike McMahon. They partnered together. And you might know his name. Because he was the creator of Rick and Morty. Which makes a lot of sense because as I was watching this show, I was thinking about Rick and Morty. You can see the animation style is similar. So McMahon loved The Next Generation like so many of the people who are creating Star Trek now. Next Generation was his first love. He was inspired by the episode in Next Generation called The Lower Decks, which of course is all about the crew members who no one thinks about. It's not about the Rikers or the Kirks. It's about everyone who serves under them. In the words of McMahon, it's about the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so a banana can come out at the other end. Yes. That is a direct quote of why he wanted to create Lower Decks. And he said, I want to make a show like that. Kurtzman says after helping to write some of these episodes, he says that this is definitely intended as a love letter to Star Trek fans. The first season of Lower Decks came out on August 6th of 2020. So very recently (laughs) from when we were recording this. And as you might know, that's during the pandemic. But luckily, because of the nature of the show, it's an animated show, they were able to record all of the lines separately and get everything done without any delay because of the pandemic. And it shows that it's something that they can continue to write for a while, no matter how long the pandemic goes on. And maybe (laughs) we'll have a faster next season. Yeah, (laughs) true that. that. We are again joined by Eugene Ronberry. The whole crew is back. And it's all about making a good show for current Trek fans. Yeah. Really glad that you brought up that this was made during the pandemic because points in this show where I was wondering, I'm like, that seems like a COVID reference. So that seems like they're trying to poke fun at different aspects of COVID. They have this like breakout on the ship, but I'm really glad that you talked about that a bit. Yeah. I also want to say that this show takes place in 2380, which is one year after the movie Star Trek Nemesis. And yeah oof <laughs> now that we have picard this is not the latest that we know about the star trek franchise but it is kind of late in the series that's also the same year that starfleet abandons the search for voyager which is very sad to think about <laughs> <laughs> see ya <laughs> they thought, wow. all right it's been long enough they're probably gone <laughs> But I know McMahon wanted to create this series in the Next Generation era because that's what he was most familiar with and what he loved the most. So I just thought it was something interesting that someone continued to create making Star Trek even after they had seen Nemesis. That's very encouraging. (laughs) That's encouraging to us all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Starfleet was saying goodbye to Voyager. So (laughs) Okay. So, before we dive into this episode and start to pick it apart like we do, Ashlyn, I am hoping that you can describe the Lower Decks pilot second contact as poorly as possible. The first officer didn't get his pimple checked out, and that's honestly on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy was such a bro, I was like, oh lord. Yeah. <laughs> Like if you have something when you come up from a planet, you should go to the doctor. You, yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is Star Trek we're talking about. Like (laughs) Rihanna, can you give me your worst description of this episode? Usually, goo is the destruction, but this time goo saves the day oh yeah it does (laughs) (laughs) okay so rihanna i want to start off by discussing the nature of the show so this episode is called second contact and so can you talk a little bit about the premise of this show and what you saw at the first couple scenes of this episode absolutely so we start out with this beautiful captain's log (laughs) the image of the ship flying over so it's very much a callback to all the other star trek series i feel very at home in these first few seconds of the show and then it just boom changes right to this funny punchline this isn't really the captain making a log it's spoiler this Shows to me, okay, like I'm probably gonna get a lot of laughs in during this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because even by the first five seconds, I'm like, good one, you know. So essentially, this ship is going to make second contact with a species, essentially, the paperwork and all Mm of the sort of minutiae that we don't think about in Starfleet. We never see episodes where they're just like doing paperwork. On the bridge because it's mostly the people in the lower decks who are assigned these things and it comes down to them to do the extra work when it comes to these second contacts or establishing people in the Federation is a lot more paper pushing. I also just want to note that, but I just would love if the... Phrase, paperwork just continued into the 24th century, and people still (laughs) used it, even though we haven't used paper in forever, except we did see a flash of paper in the cage. Um, That's true. (laughs) We still use words from the 16th century, and we don't even realize what they mean. We just say it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, because it's just sort of ingrained into our system. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What I enjoyed about this opening was that in this moment, we're kind of given – a secondary view of what we're used to from Star Trek. We're allowed, just like the episode Lower Decks in The Next Generation in season seven, we are given another perspective. And, Allowed to see whole other parts of the ship, and I really enjoy this aspect. The main reason I enjoyed so much of Star Trek: Enterprise was the same sort of novelty of seeing something that, like, you're supposed to be used to, but it feels completely new and completely different because of the way that it's told. And I love that about this show right off the bat. Also, can we just shout out that Galrod reference? Like, hey, they were using, like the eye patch. I got yeah. like on with an eye patch. Yeah, yeah. And I also do love all the. T- tiny little callbacks they throw in that you don't have to know to enjoy the show but it enriches it even more when you can understand everything she's talking about talking about Sulu with the sword I mean especially Mariner she really goes off I just really enjoyed this first opening scene what did you feel about it? I love that you talked about the novelty experience, because that's exactly how I felt. You took the words right out of my mouth, (laughs) out of my brain, actually. Um, I loved it. And I was thinking about that Lower Decks episode in Next Generation, because after watching that way back, I really wanted there to be a series. I remember after, I think maybe you and I, when we watched it together, discussing that this would be such a good TV show. And then being sad because we thought there would never be any more Star Trek. And now here we are literally watching Lower Decks. Literally. Um, I I think that's awesome. And I just want to speak to the resourcefulness and creativeness of everybody on the Star Trek team. So Romulan Whiskey. Is this a thing? Yeah, I was wondering that too. I think, again, this is something that sort of subverts your expectations. She was holding up this bottle, Mariner was, and I was immediately like, oh, there's some Romulan ale. Love it. Classic. And then yeah. she subverts that expectation and is like, oh, I got some Romulan whiskey. It's actually blue. It's a beautiful shade of blue. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea, but it sounds delicious. Like, I would take some of that. Yeah, I just thought that was funny, the Romulan <laughs> I agree. I think my first thoughts was that it's very high energy the jokes are just rolling 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 really quickly and it did take me a couple minutes to get into it because I was thrown off honestly because I don't think we've had a trick that is this high humor so frequently I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think baby, ever or it's never intentionally done that right you know? <laughs> A lot of the original series, we may be laughing when we're not supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. And so it did take me a little bit to get into it. As soon as they're down on the planet, as soon as the characters are interacting more with each other, I'm just so into it. The people we are introduced to are Beckett Mariner, Brad Boimler, Devon Tendi, who's the Orion, Sam Rutherford, who's the human, I think he just got a cyborg implant. So I'm really liking these characters and I like that we get to know them so quickly and we can really just grasp who they are with just a couple of scenes. I think I was also put off that Beckett was drunk in the first scene because (laughs) my inner Picard was saying, how dare she do that on duty? (laughs) 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 Kind of when I wasn't expecting the tone that the show was (laughs) Totally. And then once I kind of understood like what was happening. I was really into it. Like I said, it took me a little bit to get the hang of it. Yeah, Ashlyn, I agree with that. I think the fast pace of it, it was a bit like whiplash of the first few scenes because although their transitions were really well done and the show was written really well, like you can tell that they took a lot of time to think out all this dialogue and all of the different moving parts in this episode. I still felt like everything was going so fast because it has to. It's only 20 minutes. We're back to this short form again that Star Trek so sells. Um, occurs in I mean the last time we've seen this is the an animated series yeah I think this episode for the overall plot I'm comparing it to the animated pilot that we just watched and to me it feels like they have the pacing down much better yeah in, uh, in this episode I'm of Lower Decks agree. because it wasn't so much like they had written a 40-minute Trek show and then cut out half of it and took all the details. I mean, there were several plots going on at once, but I was never confused about Mm -hmm. what was happening. I thought the flow was really good, with the exception of maybe just the first couple minutes. I was also thinking about how complicated the writing must be for this, because they probably have like a hundred references in this tiny little episode. I mean, we have Beckett just like yelling them at the end. Like you were yeah. saying like, Oh, you need a sword. You could be just like Zulu, you know, um, <laughs> do you like, do you know Gary Mitchell? And he's like, I can Google him or he doesn't say that, but I can look <laughs> yeah. him up, which I thought was so funny. That was but great, yeah. I think back to interviews I've heard with Conan O'Brien, who wrote for the Simpsons. Mm. He talks about the beauty of the good years of the Simpsons is that there's several jokes going on at the same time. And I got a little hint of that in this episode. And I also just... Love, once I realized it was reminding me of Rick and Morty, I started to like it a lot more because I am a diehard Rick and Morty fan and I always feel like Rick and Morty wants to be Star Trek. And so I'm just happy for this creator that he gets to just go crazy and write the Star Trek he always really wanted. The overall sense that I got was that this is a big Trekkie who now has the power to write an episode of TV. <laughs> I kind of like the raunchiness a little bit. It's not as raunchy as Rick and Morty or as violent. But what did you think about that? Because now, you know, we have drunk characters. What were your thoughts about all of that? As we talked about in our Discovery episode, how this new Trek era is bringing forth more relatable characters. And this especially resonated with me so much because I have always sort of imagined that if I were in Starfleet, I would not be anywhere near the bridge. But none of us really think when we think about, ooh, who would we want to be in Starfleet? Like, what role would we want to play? Because, you know, we all think that <laughs> at least once when we're watching Star Trek. Yeah, I never think about the roots. Where would I start out? Like, yes, maybe one day I want to be a helmsman, but like, where do you start out if you want to work your way up? And so this helped me to relate to those certain characters. It allows Star Trek to feel modern in a way that Discovery also did and that Picard sort of hinted at. So this era mm. is really doing well at this. But I honestly think Lower Decks is achieving it way better than Discovery or Picard did because it's not over the top raunchy. It's not Enterprise. No one's like rubbing each other (laughs) up and getting like naked on purpose. Boimler, like he loses his clothes that's because he's getting like suckled on by a spider monster guy yeah. like that's fine you know <laughs> i just think it's not explicit in the way that's sort of supposed to be like quote unquote tantalizing it's more just huh, this is the way that life's going right now it's just got a very 2020 chaotic mood that i am very much vibing with i totally agree i don't want to talk about rick and morty the whole time but the comedy style that they have just chaotic nonsense going on all the time, but somehow it's woven together like a beautiful quilt. <laughs> and I mean, the writing's so tight. I have nothing to complain about. It's also just so fast, but it's going by fast enough that I'm able to catch it. I'm able to follow the plot. I'm able to laugh all the time. I think I laughed more than half this episode. Yeah. And another type of humor that I'm seeing here is really specific scientific humor or made-up Star Trek sci-fi humor. And honestly, those are some of my favorite parts. So there's a scene where Sam Rutherford is on a date and they're really connecting. They're talking about what kind of music do you listen to, and all of these first date questions, while there's a disaster going on. There's this disease has taken over the crew, everybody's a zombie, and then they're floating in space, and they're saving the day together. But having a normal conversation, I thought that was great. But I loved even more when the computer doesn't register the security clearance, and there's a diagnostic failure, and he's freaking out, and it first I am kind of thinking she kissed him he's not even noticing At the end of the episode he's like yeah I don't think I'll see her again she didn't even care about this error in the computer I live for that so much and it's such a deep nerd moment that I the forge moment <laughs> yes oh it definitely Jordy the Forge I got Doordity Vibes from his character in my research McMahon wanted to base it off Doordity which totally makes sense yeah I just love that really niche humor. And so I'm here for that. But I also think that people who don't know Star Trek would enjoy this too, because there's a lot of action. There's a lot of humor. It's very light. There's nothing too heavy about it. It's something that I can sit down and watch and I don't have to focus too hard on it, but I still will really, really enjoy it. Yeah. I wanted to dovetail off of that scene you were talking about where Mm. they're on their date and everything's going crazy. Talk about Have any of you tried to date in COVID? Because that's how it feels. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I was resonating highly with that. Like... But first, I just have to pause and acknowledge your joke about dating during (laughs) quarantine. Yeah. It's rough out there, folks. Thank God I finally have a girlfriend (laughs) because, like, I'm tired of this. (laughs) I think life in general has been kind of like this where there's just mass chaos and hysteria going on. And then we're just in our houses like, oh, honey, did you get the milk? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of about what Starfleet is best at is thriving in an environment of chaos and trying to normalize it. And that's exactly what we've been doing in 2020. So, yes. And I love that there is this big, huge plot happening. And then all the lower deck characters are just doing their thing. They're <laughs> yeah. getting through it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this yeah. is a normal day for her. I mean, even yeah. Divana, the Orion at the end, says mm-hmm. to Sam, oh, but you got through, your first date was during this like major crisis and you still like her. Like, that's a good sign. And I'm also like, wow, so relatable, you know? Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I agree with everything you were saying. I thought that was brilliant. And Ashlyn, since we were talking about these characters, I wanted to ask you a question. Who do you think you relate to most in this episode? Which character? I was actually just thinking who I related to most. Well, to answer your question, the character I think I relate to most Is Sam Rutherford. I've already talked about him so much. Yeah. I just feel like that would be me nerding out about something going wrong with the ship and then you have to fix it. And I just love his energy too because he just derails his whole night and he knows, like, oh, I have to go fix this. I'm working retail for the first time now and they're very strict about when you can take your breaks and when your shift is over because they don't want to get sued, you know? Yeah. And so I am thinking about this in lower decks is, when when are you off you know like when do you <laughs> clock out for the night because this guy he's on a date and i know there's like an emergency happening but he mm-hmm. takes the time to pause and fix the computer fix what's happening with it and then continue with this day i'm pretty <laughs> sure he was on his way to bed he could have just not fixed that <laughs> i honestly think that's just embedded in starfleet like you yeah. see something wrong it doesn't matter that you're off your shift you're like Oh, I have to go fix that. Like, it's time, you know? Well, and are they even getting paid? Is there money? You know? No, yeah. That's the thing. It's all about the first duty of every Starfleet officer. <laughs> we don't have to get caught up in it. Like, I know there's no money. But some species do have money. And they're all here serving together on the Cerritos. Yeah. Uh, before I ask you about your character, while we brought up the Cerritos, they created a new type of Federation-class starship Ooh. for... Lower Decks because the Cerritos is a California-class starship. Oh, oh. Yes. Okay, there were so many California references in this one that I would, like, someone was from Modesto. There's a ton of California references. I mean, you yeah. can tell everyone's just the writers from LA. Oh, great. Let's, let's go, <laughs> California. Rihanna, so who did you most relate to? Who was your favorite? I think I would definitely relate to Tendi, the Orion. She is just so wholesome and bright-eyed, very excited to be here. Like that would definitely be me getting on the ship being like reporting for duty. (laughs) Like I am here. I am ready. (laughs) Like I just love her attitude towards everything. Already I could tell she's my favorite character and I've only seen one episode. Like I just very much attached to that like over the moon excitement about being on a starship. I just relate so strongly. Like half of the time I'm just thinking can I just join NASA and yeet into the sun? (laughs) Like that would be great. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) like I really I really vibe with that but yeah she's a really great character and I'm super excited to see where we get to go with her yeah we always joke that our little Rihanna is full boil all the time, which is a reference Brooklyn 99. He's the character type who goes full in a hundred percent all the time. Yeah, in I'm every not casual. Situation. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm She's- the least casual person. So. Yeah, definitely not. Even if she tries to be casual, she is As full I boil. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I love that she's so excited to hold a heart in her hand. I love that. I love that too. (laughs) And I love that our chosen characters are friends. Yes. (laughs) And they they understand each other. I think that's so cute. I love it. I want to talk a little bit about the captain and what we find out at the end. Absolutely. When Boimler meets Captain Freeman in the ready room, he has respect for her and he's like, Yes, Captain, whatever you need, I'll spy. It's fine. Yeah. And so my first impression of her is very respectable. She seems very capable. And I thought she was badass, especially at the end of the episode when the virus is at full throttle and she just wants to protect Boilmer because he's the goo. I thought it was great. I loved seeing her in action. She seemed like a really good captain to me. And then when we find out at the end that Mariner is her daughter, it all kind of made sense to me because I was getting a little mad. She seemed like she just had a grudge against Mariner for no reason. But of course, if that's your daughter, I can see that you might want her to travel in a different direction than what she is doing. Yeah, I totally knew it right away. Either there's like a Giorgio Michael mentorship thing going on that's not working out or she's her mom. Because this animosity, I just feel like a captain who seems as respectable and as yeah. like strong-headed as her, would not just ask an ensign to like, spy on another ensign unless she had some sort of other thing going on. But I thought that was a really great twist. And it's already adding extra layers to this show, which I love because it's a perfect way to draw people in, is to have some sort of intrigue that you can follow through the series. I also loved the scene where Breumler comes in because – even though I don't want to, I also relate to him because I am very stuck up about rules and I want things to be right and correct. When I first didn't realize that she was related to Mariner, I thought the captain was kind of stuck up a little, a little too tense. But I also thought it was perfectly done how Mariner says the quote about senior officers and how they're always stressed and always yelling about directives. I just thought that that was a perfect way to show it in the next scene being like, yeah, this captain does seem a little stressed about directives and about like everyone being perfectly in line with her ship. Very much Picard, very like does not want children on the bridge. It was great. I just think the juxtaposition in this show did a great job of tying things together in such a quick format that they needed to get everything fit in. Yeah, and I even had some character development throughout the episode in such a short time. They were able to bring it in. Like I mentioned with Mariner, I wasn't sure how I felt about her in the beginning, but I liked all the references she was making. Yeah. So then at the end, and when we're down on the planet in the middle, we find out that she's been transferred five different times. She's had all these different ranks, like we mentioned, and she's basically us. She's very well-worn Star Trek viewer. <laughs> but yeah. She's lived it all. She's been on every planet. She's been through all of this insane stuff. And... I love her interaction with Boomer there because he yes. really is a newbie. He counted earth as one of the planets. <laughs> <he's been through. laughs> I was cracking up. I also love the line where she says, you count Vulcan. Like I don't count Vulcan. <laughs> Vulcan's practically earth. <laughs> Cause like same at this point, I'm just like, Oh yeah. Vulcan. Like, of course, of course I know Vulcan. <laughs> like, they better- of course I know Spock. <laughs> <laughs> They're lucky this isn't the Kelvin universe, because then they would oh. never know. Jeez, Ashlyn. You had to go there, didn't you? I think it's still too soon for that. I'm just saying. Rip Vulcan. Kelvin timeline. (laughs) So I want to talk a bit about Mariner 2 and the scene where she's talking to Brømler and explaining, like you said, she's been on these five different ships and she was in a cave that was sentient. You know, all of this stuff that is so Star Trek and just at its core, it captured the goofiness and the crazy things that happened to these officers in Star Trek. and i thought it was just so cool to see her working with her life experience she had and she had the exact sort of personality you need when you're in that position of i'm not looking to be a captain i'm just trying to help people and stay alive (laughs) you know like that's sort of her main two goals and she's helping these farmers because she knows that starfleet bureaucracy is going to take a longer time. I just, I love that at her core, it still is about the Starfleet values of helping people. It's just, she does it in her own sort of goofy, not exactly protocol way, which is quite common. And Star Trek to have at least one character that's like that, that's sort of the quote-unquote rebel rouser, you know, like, she's not as bad or as annoying as Tom Paris, but, like, similar sort of F with the system (laughs) vibes, but, you know, in a way that's actually, like, more useful and helpful (laughs) than Tom Paris ever was, so. I didn't even think about Paris. That's so funny. It's very similar. I mean, Michael, too, except Michael was very extreme. Yeah. I was actually thinking about, while we were Watching that scene where she's helping the farmers. She's trying to streamline the Starfleet bureaucracy that she knows these beings will go through. I liked her perspective a lot because, in creating Starfleet and the Federation, their original goal was to create something that would unify the people and that would kind of replace the bad government the man Mm -hmm. type of thing and so i love that she is now thinking about starfleet as the man and she you know, she's trying to even go further under (laughs) this ideal utopian society nobody's perfect and so it makes sense and we've talked so much about the corruption of starfleet i don't know there is just something kind of beautiful about seeing someone who doesn't worship starfleet i guess i just really like that perspective it's almost like a quark attitude kind of but exactly like you said, at, at her heart, she's absolutely what I would think of when I think of like an amazing officer is someone yes. like her. I think she definitely has the potential to rise up to be a captain. And she doesn't want it. And so I'm excited to see where her journey goes as well as where the journey goes for all the other characters. Yeah and something to add on to that really like what you said and I think also like it makes sense that she's rebelling if her mom is a Starfleet captain and her dad is a Starfleet admiral oh my lord, you know, that's a lot of Starfleet. And that's a lot of pressure, probably a lot of undue stress put on her to be a certain way in Starfleet or to act a certain way or to follow a certain path. Obviously, I haven't seen the rest of Lower Decks, but like my assumption is that maybe she was sort of pushed forward to climb the ranks. And she's just like, no, I'm not going to do this just because my parents said. So it's like, it's a very Spock rebellion. I'm not going to join this Vulcan Science Academy. I'm going to Starfleet. It's really fun to see that in a character who is so outspoken. She super grew on me. Like I was like, oh boy, is she going to be annoying? And then immediately she just wasn't. And she was just awesome instead. And I was like, great. Like this is nice and refreshing. I totally agree with you. Also think, that this will be something to talk about in our family series, which is our next series that yes. we will be taking, that we will be creating for the Duras Sisters podcast. It is hard to be the child of one Starfleet officer and being the child of two just seems insane. You know, I'm, right. I'm thinking about Jake, you know, poor Jake Sisko having yeah. his parents serve Wesley, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack later about the dynamics with families and yes. uh, the decisions that they make for their career. I think that's a really, really good point, Rihanna. Of course she's rebelling. Her whole life is Starfleet, so she can probably see the cracks even more than most people can. It's great that she has Boimler on her side. By the end of the episode, he chooses not to spy and becomes her friend instead. Yeah, And I think she's someone that I trust at the end of this episode. And I'm excited to see other characters grow just by being around her. Yeah, absolutely. I had a question that sort of follows up what we were discussing with the rebelling against rank and against like moving up in Starfleet. So there's a moment where Boimler and Mariner are talking about captains and the senior officers and stuff. And Mariner says they just want their names down in the history books. You know, they're doing this all for ego or something you know and i just wondered do you think that when we watch star trek the rest of the series that focus on command and focus on a command crew do you think that that is just showing the best of starfleet like a lot of starfleet captains are the way that mariner says that they're just looking for glory or do you think that if you are enlisting in starfleet you're enlisting to sort of better this world like how much of that do you think is really true or do you think that it's just her bias because her parents are in starfleet i think it's both I think it's people absolutely go into positions of power like a captain is a hugely important position. Part of it is that the power is attractive and the Mm -hmm. idea of being remembered forever is attractive and it's high stakes out in the unknown, unexplored universe. Even if you're making second contact, that's still high stakes. Like we saw in this episode... We didn't know. They didn't know that there was a disease on the planet. And so no matter what ship you are, even if you're the lowest of the decks (laughs) um, (laughs) or even if you're just hanging out on DS9, the airport, being a captain and having any kind of high rank on a starship is very important. I think it's a combination. I think the people that we remember, like Picard and Spock are the people who are thoroughly doing it because they have a good heart, and mm. I, I think time only tells. <laughs> I'm thinking about the terrible captain who came on the Enterprise and demoted Riker because he was disagreeing with him and Data yeah. was first officer. Yeah, um, you know that admiral and captain I remember because he was such a mean word he was such a mean (laughs) he was such a mean guy such Um, a mean guy and as such i don't even remember his name without having to google it yeah Um, but that's it that's in chain of command that episode it's part one and two Thank yeah. you, Brianna. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't need to Google it. I have my little my <laughs> Maybe on a day-to-day interaction, if you interact with like all the captains at once, or if you're like happen to be touring a bunch of starships, you're gonna see people just in it for the glory. And they're not actually doing it to help Starfleet. But I would hope that after years and years and years of vigorous training, because it takes so long to become a captain, you have to. Serve as a first officer for at least one ship, maybe two or three, until you yeah. get your own command. And so I also think that the process, it kind of hardens you. So if you get to the point where you are a captain, you have seen a lot and you know how to do your job and mm-hmm. people like you because you don't become a captain unless you are promoted <laughs> to have your so own ship. True. You know, and so I guess it's kind of both. I don't think someone can purely become a captain just because they want fame unless they're really smart you know and then and they can kind of fake it but (laughs) wow what do you think I think what everything you said was brilliant and adding to any of it will just cheapen it. So all I'll add, (laughs) the only thing I'll add to it is that also when you're climbing up the ranks to become captain, I think it also weeds out a lot of those more shallow people because like you said, it takes so long to get up there that if you're just in it for the glory after a while, you would get tired. And just leave, you know, because Starfleet does take a lot out of you and you have to be ready for that. So Ashlyn beautifully said. I also want to just speak to Mariner's perspective is she has only seen... The side of Picard where he says, get the children off the bridge. you know, exactly. Or she has only interacted with captains pr- maybe at their worst. Yeah. You know, maybe when they're most stressed or when they're just ordering you around or maybe you don't even interact with your captain. So I definitely think that the whole perspective of Lower Decks will change our perspective. I mean, it's making yeah. me think of episodes where, you might have to remind me the title if you remember this one, but in the next generation when Picard is down engineering and talking to the forge and then this ensign come and like spills some drink on him oh i just saw this one yeah so tremendous episode keep talking and i can google it and so we see in that moment this ensign is like terrified of him because he's like get this cleaned up it's in he's not terrible to her but he's just snippy enough that i'm like dang he is being kind of a Mean guy <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> um, and I totally think that this is why it's so beautiful to make a show like this and why I'm so glad they expanded on the Next Generation episode, Lower Decks. Yeah, that was Sonia Gomez spilling it. Oh, Q who? Q who? Yeah so much of life is not discussing people who are in the inner workings of something we only talk about the people in the spotlight for mostly everything in the media in government even in the arts i mean you don't talk about that one person playing fourth trumpet you talk about the person playing first trumpet you know <laughs> like things like that that because of course they they built up and they got better at it i don't know i'm not very good at these music <laughs> metaphors but like <laughs> This sounds bizarre, but it kind of reminded me a bit of different parts of the West Wing where we have characters who are just like aides to these other people and you get like whole episodes on them. And so I think exploring that is so important to understand the entire inner workings of a ship on Star Trek. The red shirts are a punchline <laughs> because they died. Like that is, if you think about it, so dark. <laughs> and I'm so glad that now these measly red shirts are getting their own show. They definitely got a union because now the Red Shirts (laughs) have their own show. I still don't think they have seatbelts though. No, no (laughs) workers comp, but at least they got their their union. I also want to circle back and just say that yeah, well, maybe no one's talking about the fourth trumpets. You do talk about second trumpets, because sometimes <laughs> oh. those parts are better than the first trumpet hey. part. Dating a trumpet player, I have a lot of random trumpet knowledge, um, <laughs> yeah. classical trumpet knowledge. But anyway, I also just wanted to add on, it's all about the room where it happens. You know, yeah. when we watch The Next Generation or any show, you know, Janeway saying, meet me in my ready room. It's the main crew in the, in the ready of room. Because yeah. that's the room where it happens. Those mm-hmm. are the big decisions that everything is made. It's the White House, it's Congress, it's the Senate. Mm -hmm. You got to be there. And I do really enjoy seeing the perspective of the people who probably will never be in those positions. It was a brilliant concept when I saw it in TNG, and it is still a brilliant concept today. And I am so, so excited to be watching this and to continue reviewing it for the Patreon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I just can't wait to see where these characters go. I think that something that again and again, I'm talking about this in these pilot episodes that we have been reviewing, that they are so strongly tied to character and characterization and how characters interact and get along. And it's something that is in the root of Star Trek and its foundation. And Lower Decks really amplified that so well to a point where I was halfway into a 20 minute episode and already low-key in love with all of these characters that is very hard to do especially in a pilot and i just think that it was brilliantly done and yeah it was a little fast-paced but who cares you know i think that for it being that short it was really well done yes i'm so glad you said that because this is what our pilot series is all about ultimately it comes down to the question do you want to watch the next episode because of what you just saw and do you feel like you know the characters? Were you given enough time to have a hook into their personalities? And for me, I feel the exact same way. Halfway through this episode, all it took was 10 minutes and I would die for everyone on the crew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like maybe besides those sort of weird bros club commanders, like such cringy bros that show up, these two commanders and they're like fish bumping and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> okay. Okay, I do want to say I did look up Mike McMahon's ideas for a lot of these characters. And for the first officer, whose name is Jack Ransom, he totally based him upon Riker. But if Riker was on speed and had less shame is the exact (laughs) quote. (laughs) So they nailed it, essentially. Yeah, (laughs) But I did get some Riker vibes, but he's like more Young. young young and yeah the five o'clock shadow yeah yeah definitely reminded me of Riker. oh oh i have to say yeah i have to say i love the cat doctor (laughs) i knew you would she's jess mccoy of course you love her (laughs) (laughs) you do not understand how much i love this cat and i am look the cat's name tiana mcmahon describes her as a good doctor but an unpleasant cat (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering about this cat, Dr. like, like he- really showing how stressed senior officers are. <laughs> and she apparently is a kaitan. Which is a reference to the animated series. Um, oh. <laughs> e- yes. Yes, Rihanna. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Major did it. Coming back to life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is totally a reference to that character from the animated series, the orange cat lady. Yeah. I just got McCoy vibes from the doctor. Yes. And I just loved how she was handling the whole situation. Full, full love is how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could totally see that. I was like... Weirdly, like, I know that that Ashlyn is going to love this cat. Like, I just knew it. (laughs) Yeah, I love the cat. I mean, I love cats anyway, but a cat who's like McCoy, I might pass right out. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I wanted to say also that I enjoyed about this episode was that it felt like it was taking a lot of the physical elements of TOS, TNG, and Voyager and sort of combining them into one ship. Yes, it definitely felt very next generation. But there was so much that did feel like the interior of TOS or Voyager, you know, it had some elements of everything, which I really loved. I think that the intro was very TOS, but then ended with like a little TNG flyaway. And of course, the animated series was just about TOS because that's all that existed at the time. It makes sense. But I'm just glad that now because we have so much Star Trek, it's not just relying on one series, just sort of put it on its shoulders, you know, it's allowing every series to prop it up, but also it like doesn't need to be propped up. It's fine on its own. But you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I was actually thinking about this. The animated series is a direct sequel to the original series because it's basically the last two years of the five we didn't get to see it in the live action mm-hmm. and so going into this i was thinking that lower decks is a direct sequel to the next generation it same. must be the same crew or similar people serving under picard of course i was wrong about that but i totally agree it's a beautiful beautiful mix of all the facets of star trek that we love and i think it's a love letter just like alex kurtzman said it's a great blanket of star trek love that we can wear (laughs) ah just like cozy up under love it I think someone who's seen Enterprise, you know, which is a, a such a different show than to the rest of them, they would still really enjoy this. I think if you like any Star Trek at all, you'll like this. And if you don't like Star Trek, this show will make you like Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. One thing before we go, Rihanna, I think it's important to wrap up our pilot series. I think we should list the order of our favorite pilots right now. This is really tough. Okay, I'm ready, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'm also ready, but I'm not (laughs) happy about it. Um, Before we list our orders, I know that we listed the order of our favorite pilots. I believe in the Discovery podcast, we will definitely have different opinions, or at least I have a kind of a different order than what we had before. So please don't be mad that we changed our minds. Yeah. When I am choosing this now, I'm thinking about what was the most successful pilot. And I'm trying really hard not to put in my bias for my love for the rest of the show. So keep that in mind. Cool. Okay. Coming in at number 10, Ashlyn, tell us what is your least favorite pilot? Enterprise. Yep. Me too. Enterprise. <laughs> All right. Uh, number nine, Rihanna. Voyager. Voyager for me too. All right. All right. right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Number eight, Ashlyn. The Cage. Oh. Yes. My number eight is the animated series. Ah. My number seven is the animated series. <laughs> And my number seven is the cage. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I see. You. Yep. I see where we are here. Okay. What is your number six? Number six is the next generation. Mine is Discovery. Whoa. Wow, that changed a lot yeah. from last time. Okay. Well, I just want to say all of these are basically tied from Yeah, they're to so the good. End. Yeah. Okay. Uh what is your number five, Ashlyn? Where no man has gone before. Mine too. Wow. Wow. Buddies. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Number four. Lower decks. The next generation. Okay. Okay. Hermes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Number three, Ashlyn. Deep Space Nine. Me too. Oh, <laughs> it hurt my soul, guys. It's I like know. one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I know. This is definitely my favorite episode that we saw, but it is not the best pilot, in right. my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Rihanna, what's your number two? Discovery. discovery? Number two is Picard for me. Oh. Okay, Ashlyn, number one, go ahead. Lower Decks. woohoo! and mine is Picard. Wow. Wow, I didn't realize you liked Lower Decks better than Picard. That's really amazing. Well, the only reason, because that was my exact struggle was what to put first. Yeah. Uh, my only reasoning is that I only liked Picard so much because I had already seen The Next Generation. And so mm-hmm. when I think about a true pilot, it's based upon you go in blank. And I think the number one show that I could go in blank on and be sold is Lower Decks. Wow. That is such a good point. I almost want to change my answer. I (laughs) won't. I won't. That is amazingly true. I think that's a really good point. I mean, the Picard pilot is is amazing. It's so fantastic. Yeah. I think if I didn't know who Picard was, I'd be, be like, wondering why like, <laughs> yeah. <"What's a> is <laughs> British man in France? <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, that was incredible. To all of our listeners out there, I want to thank you so much. We're so grateful to be in the Star Trek community with you all. And we are thrilled to start our next series on family coming up very soon. And Ashlyn, Uh, thank you so much for starting this podcast with me. It is really just the light of my life. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy it has been working out. It's just one of those pipe dreams that you say, oh, someday we'll make a podcast, but we did it, and here we are. Here we are. And it's a Duras sister's dream fulfilled. Exactly. i can't wait to start family with you and Ooh. i can't wait even more for the klingon battle that is about to occur on our patreon podcast yes it is the ultimate showdown of star trek trivia please check it out at patreon.com slash the duras Sisters podcast yes sharpen your bat list with us this week thank you for listening to the duras sisters podcast Please join us for the first episode of our new family series, which will cover the familiar relationships of the original series, including Kirk, McCoy, Spock, and more. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and give us five stars and leave us a nice comment if you like what you've heard today. If you would like to become a monthly patron, please go to patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. Any amount per month will give you exclusive access to our reviews of the new Star Trek Lower Deck series, as well as competitions that we've had in the past couple weeks. Our email is the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. Our intro, Klingon Battle, was written by Jerry Goldsmith, and our outro, Worf's Revenge, was written by Aurelio Voltaire. Star Trek characters really make the worst sport fans because they're always rooting for the away team.